everybody, and welcome back uh, uh, to the 10th episode of the second season One for One. I'm your host, Nolan Schumann, joined as always by my co-host, Miles Fuchs. Miles, uh, Monday. Am I, am I right, fellas? Correct, fellas. Happy Monday. Um, first day of aggribition. No free ads, but uh, yeah, um, I'm kind of in a weird headspace, Nolan, to be honest with you. Just a bitch of a day, long day, and I am like the weird combination of like mean, angry, ready to just drink all the pain away. So I'm thinking that today um, might either be our best episode ever or the episode that I absolutely get canceled and fired into the sun. Miles, do you want to talk about aggribition? No, I don't want to talk about aggravation, <laughs> Nolan, but, oh, wow. Um, just <laughs> fucking people, man. I think people have been cooped up in their houses for too long, especially some of the rural folk. Love the rural folk. Um, that's how I make my living, so I can't say anything too mean. I would never say anything too mean, but, like, just dudes walking around and just farting in lines. Like, you're walking in, like, tight, confined space, like a hockey rink, you're just right behind like people are behind you like what's wrong with you like you can't not know that that's coming and you just absolutely blast ass in a public space it's insane and you're like oh that's got to be a one-off no i was at the i was at the exhibition grounds today for over half the day and i can tell you more than on one hand how many times that happened just standing at my corner it was insane so gross um, but that's about it. It's nice to be seeing people again and kind of doing some some things that feel a little more normal back to back to the pre-COVID days. So I'm feeling good. I'm excited. Uh, Miles, do you want to hear my do you want to hear my tragedy for the day? Yes, I write since not tragedies. Well, first off, I chimed in. With, Haven't you people ever heard of? Um, so first and foremost. I told you, uh, I've told you uh, a lot about my new iMac I got, but my new fancy iMac that I that, that that I bought from a pawn shop. Say iMac two more times. iMac. iMacDonald's. There you go. <laughs> um, but this uh, this uh, uh, computer device came with a, a a a magic mouse and a magic keyboard the wireless versions and if god is not my witness i got home today and they were dead they were not charged so now i have to use freaking a wired freaking mouse a stupid black microsoft one look at this an ugly mouse so i gotta use that today and i have to like pick it up and like drag it across it barely works it's just it's really fucking my day up would you rather have a magic mouse and keyboard or a magic school bus? Cross the river of lava. I mean, I mean, Miss Frizzle's like kind of bad, isn't she? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a uh, one meme I really like, and it's from an episode of um, of Magic School Bus, and Miss Frizzle is like on the bench press, and she's got three plates on each side, and it's like. Um, no arch back, narrow grip, uh, benching 315 for reps. Miss Frizzle is on the juice. <laughs> I just don't know why, but I think that's the funniest meme of all time. I just scream when Miss I see Frizzle it. Miss Frizzle is on the juice. She's just take, taking trend 
500 milligrams of trend a day, losing your mind. Um, speaking of losing your mind, Nolan, what a week of Oilers hockey, wasn't it? It was a week of Oilers hockey. Would you mind if I told the folks at home what is on the docket for today? Miles, I, 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 would, I would love you to tell us what's on the docket for today. Thank you, sir. So today we are going to be recapping the games uh, against the Winnipeg Jets, the Winnipeg Jets, and the Chicago Blackhawks. We'll move into a little bit of Oilers discussion, which, frankly, as we do, we're going to kind of skate over some of these concepts and then go, yeah, I guess we kind of already talked about that. And uh, the one thing I want to say, and then we'll move on into some NHL talk, we're going to be talking about the return of the white skate prince, the guitar playing the Gustavo, I don't know what I was going to say there. Matthew Shane, having a little bit of a year, going to talk a little bit of Matthew Shane. Then we're going to do a little bit of a divisional uh, checkup, like a doctor's appointment on the divisions, just kind of see where everything's at and, and what we're thinking there. Uh, and then we're going to move in to something that we've been getting a lot of feedback on. We've uh, been working as, as we do, talking to people who are friends of the show, and we are going to be making a Palooza announcement that is right the pick palooza is coming back to a theater near you the start of december in select theaters select theaters <laughs> which is just our instagram very uh, select well miles i'm very excited to talk about all these things um you know what i'm not excited to talk about <laughs> what uh the uh the demise of Miko Koskinen's dominance. Uh RIP from twenty one to twenty one. <laughs> short and sweet. Um oh. short and sweet like the floor hockey section of your grade eleven phys ed curriculum. <laughs> what were those what were those stupid like uh those like little um uh, I don't want to call them skateboards, but those like remember like those those little platforms that had wheels on the bottom of them? What what were they called again? Um, I know what you're talking like. They're just like scooters, little bum scooters. Yeah. yeah. Remember those things? Those were fun. When those were fun. Those, when you used to use those in class. Yeah, um, I think that's where my concussion history started was, was the first class. <laughs> was combining that in floor hockey. Oh, boom. <laughs> Coming in at top speed. Um, so, yeah. Should we like should, first and foremost? I guess the the this this game begs the question: uh, should, should the Oilers be or, like should we be hardwired to expect just a total fart after a big emotional win like they had against the St. Louis Blues? I don't know if we should expect a fart, but I think that that makes a fart of a game more palatable. Would you not agree? Like the fact that they were. The fact that they had their cheeks blown as much they as much as they did, or the emotional win the game before. Well, because we got that emotional win and we got to be so excited, like my clown scored his first goal, we're so proud of you, and like all that sort of shit for them to lay a stinker against the Jets. You're like, ah, well, I mean, they've been playing a lot of games recently. You can you start justifying the loss a little bit more. It makes it more, as I said, palatable. Is that the buzzword of the day? Uh, could be. I think yeah. so. We'll see how the episode progresses, but it is an early front runner. Uh, so. Uh... I guess I'm trying to I'm trying to find myself in this zone in this Q zone, if you will, uh, where palm tree boys, a palm tree girls. <laughs> I'm trying to find myself at this point where, like, the team is still like well at at this time they were what eleven and four, so I'm trying to remind myself that they're like 
or is it? Are they eleven and four or eleven and five? I'm a terrible fan already. They would be four, I think. Uh, four. Okay. Well, we'll check afterwards for for a good confirmation. But I'm trying to remind myself that the team is still like pretty pretty handedly in a like in a playoff position right now and we are getting close to that point that they always talk about in the media which is American Thanksgiving so American Thanksgiving I believe is the was it Monday or something like that um no it's like Thursday okay so n- n- like nonetheless though we're at American Thanksgiving the Oilers are still as it stands by points percentage first in the division um, well, let's go yeah, let's freaking go, my guys, because uh, the Calgary Flames are in first place. But it's 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 what what we in the biz call a fake first place. Uh, it is it is as fraudulent as a first place gets. Yeah, but we are okay. We're postponing the Jets talk here. I think we need to get into it because um, the, Nolan and I have had a conversation. The and announcement. We, yes, and I think we'll wait until after. For the second Jets game because I'm looking at the recap from the first Jets game looking at who scored the goals and I am frothing at the mouth like a rabies ridden raccoon seeing some of these names just making me sick Nolan sick to my stomach about the Winnipeg Jets okay so this was obviously not a terrific game Oilers dropped this one 5-2 and at no point I would say did they really look like they were in control or like they were ready to compete um, there were times where it looked like it was good stretches of hockey, but as a complete game, um, not very good. Um, not very good at all. I uh, liked the two goals from Leon, but that like second goal hinged on a um, video like review, a coaching review. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, as we're talking about a fraudulent first place Calgary Flames team, that was the right call, I will say. But it's also kind of like a fraud five two game because you know had that not happened, it would have been 5-1 and it would have yeah. looked a lot worse. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, two goals back-to-back, same power play from Leon Dreisaitl is what the kids are calling the definition of rock star shit. Um, especially after he got fucking buried from behind into the boards <laughs> to get back up and and net two on the same power play is is pretty phenomenal. Yeah, he's just he's been Mr. Consistency this season. And like you can say the same thing about Connor McDavid as well, but it, it feels like it's a guarantee for Leon Dreisettle to score like nearly every game at this point. <clears throat> but I mean, he realistically kept the team in this and I believe that was in the third period, so they could have they could have went on a bit of a roll and the team did start to put on pressure late in that third period, but ultimately it just wasn't enough. Um a couple points I want to make is number one, you just feel bad for Stuart Skinner because the guy's like still waiting on his first win of the season at this point, and he's keeping them in it for the most part. So you 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 feel bad for him. Don't worry, we'll get we'll get the Stuart Skinner. Um, but also a horrendous game for Duncan Keith. Um, the Pierre Luc Dubois goal. Yikes. Okay, I'm just looking at the stats here, Nolan. Uh, don't look. How many Edmonton Oilers um, finished with a plus rating? Oh, don't tell me Duncan Keith had a plus rating. Um, no, Nolan. Zero players on oh. the Edmonton Oilers finished with a plus rating. Thank goodness. Um, th- three Edmonton Oilers finished with a zero rating, being the Nuge, Tyson Berry, and Zachary Hyman. 
Um, the green jacket of this game, however, goes to, and this hurts to say, but the green jacket for the lowest score went to Evan Bouchard at a dash three with Cass, Pierlini, Derek Ryan, Duncan Keith, uh, all finishing at minus two and a plethora of gentlemen finishing at minus one. So yeah, bad game for Bush. Um, it's like, I think situationally, but yeah, Duncan Keith did look very, very stinky on that Pierre-Luc Dubois goal. And kind of just overall, it was, uh, it wasn't his best game as a member of the Oilers. Yeah. Like I, I gotta say, I've been shocked how much I've really actually enjoyed Cody CC over the last week and a half or so. I think he's really turned it on. And, and I think that he's providing like a diet Coke version of what Adam Larson had to offer. <laughs> so it's like, give me like, it, it, like if Adam Larson all, is like, all the flavor, no cows. Hey, that's yeah, yeah. The, that diet Coke version. Yeah. So, and I think you provide the lit, like a, like a pinch more offensively than Adam Larson does, despite the fact that Adam Larson scored last night, but I I've, I've liked him so far. His consistent uh, D partner. I, I just, uh, you know, uh, we'll we'll get to it at the Chicago game because we're gonna have to talk about the injury lost. But um, Duncan Keith is just, I, I I I I, it's like there's flashes. It's like there's flashes when it when when you think to yourself, this guy was a Norris winner and he's really good, and you say, oh my god, maybe he's gonna be really good for us, and then. It's like a six-minute sequence afterwards where he's just hemmed in his own end, and the uh, the uh, the opposition is just making making him look like a a damn fool. And I just don't know how to deal with that, and I don't know how to process it, and I don't know how to process another year on top of this at five and a half million dollars. So I'm just I'm just confused, Miles. Just I'm just I'm a little I'm a little down in the dumps, but. Well. I feel better after the Chicago game, but can I make I, you I feel like can I make you feel like shit with some of these um, standout stats from the game against the Winnipeg Jets? Kyle Connor had ten shots on goal that game. What? Can I say one thing actually before you before you go yeah, on? Go ahead. Go um, ahead. The uh, the Rogues Gallery, if you will, of uh, number of one for one uh, shitheads, it, uh, basically scored all all of that game. Yeah, I'm I am all too all too well familiar <laughs> with the fucking shit show that was that game. Uh Connor Hellbuck played a nasty game as well. 32 for 34, 2.0 goals against average, 0.941 uh save percentage. Albeit the Oilers kind of made it a little bit easy on him. Not a lot of those shots were like corner seekers. A lot of them were were chest missiles yeah. fired right at the logo. But his rebound control that game was was phenomenal. And he did it, he did a really, really good job of um, settling down any opportunities that the Oilers did have to, uh, to to gain some momentum. So I thought they did a really good job. I'm not sure if it was this game or the next game, but Craig McTavish said some fucking shit that just made me roll. Um, he was talking about Stuart Skinner, like making saves or whatever. And he's like, oh, I like a goalie who catches the puck and doesn't just block it with his glove when he actually catches it. And it's like, no shit, Craig. Like, of course we want a goalie that controls rebounds, but the fact that he's not getting beat glove high is something that should <laughs> still confidence in you. Like last guy to not wear a helmet in the NHL for a reason. Cause you're making, uh, you're making dumb 
points on air like that like just absolutely legendary commentary from craig mctavish uh wow we sure miss you behind the bench you fucking fossil but here's some more games are we craig mctavish guys i'm not a craig mctavish i'm not guy. a craig mctavish guy i i appreciate what no. he did behind the bench in 06 um but i'm not a craig mctavish guy because actually you keep talking miles because i i want to i want to look at something while you're doing that you go ahead. So the scoring summary from this game, and then we'll move on. Uh, as Nolan mentioned, the one-for-one shit list really did show up this game. Adam Lowry started things off with an unassisted bang. Nikolai Ehlers, who we like, scored a goal assisted by Kopp and Morrissey. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois scored on the power play for Morrissey and Nate Schmidt. The gamer Mark scored on a goal assisted by Logan Stanley and Dylan DeMello, two absolute scumbag defensemen. Uh, only Mark Shifley's second goal of the season, though, which does make me happy. Just sad it, it had to come against the boys. Uh, and then finally, Kyle Connor, the guy that we have um, absolutely dragged through the mud on here in terms of the look department, um, got an empty net goal assisted by Blake Wheeler. And that was it. So um, the first thing I want to say is about Craig McTavish and about him with goaltending. Miles, would you like to know, so the, the, the last season of Craig McTavish's GM was the 14-15 season, okay? Oh, no. Miles, would you like to know about the, um, the, the scouting department, if you will, uh, in the Oilers' front office when it, with, with, with regards to goaltending at the time? At 28 years old, playing 57 games, starting 53 games, with a 15, 26, and 11 record, a 3.16 goals against average, and a .890 save percentage. <laughs> ben Scrivens. Oh, the professor! <laughs> you ready for another blast from the past, Miles? Let's go! <laughs> Living I, for this. I always forget this guy was an oiler. At 32 years old... 24 games started with a whopping 6, 15, and 3 record with a 3.41 GAA and a .888 save percentage. Victor Faust. Oh, man, that's a throwback. I remember I was so excited about him, too. Like, he was such a good good such a good tandem with uh with Jonas Hiller. They were incredible. Maybe he's going to rekindle some of that. Maybe the Oilers are going to be good. Victor Fast. Oh my god, did he play another NHL season after that? I don't think so. I think he was I think oh, he was done in the it. NHL after. Oh. Um and then there's actually there's actually three more guys that would be nice little um at, at 27 years old uh, starting four games with a 3-2 and 0 record. Uh, with sporting a 2.84 GAA, so not bad, uh, and a .911 save percentage. Wow, pretty fucking good for these Edmonton Oilers. Richard Bachman! <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a throwback. Yeah. That's a throwback. And then he went and played for the Canucks. I remember that. Um, haven't heard head or tail of him since. I <laughs> hope then, all is well. And then rounding out the final two, a, a pair of guys that only played one game, didn't start either. Uh, Was one of them Tyler Buns? One of them was Tyler Buns, yeah. Miles. Guy I, I was really excited about. I simped for Tyler Buns. Yeah. And yeah. Um, uh, Olivier Roy. Oh, another good one. Yeah. Uh, and uh, can you guess who the last one was? Um, only one game. 
You know, I think the folks at home are tired of of my guessing game, so I will just let you tell me. Well, he last played for the Edmonton Oilers in the 17-18 season. He was with them when they went to the second round, and we talk about it like they won the fucking Stanley Cup. Uh, Laurent Brossois. The the French guy from Port Alberni, BC. <laughs> who who is now just chumming it up in oh, Las Vegas? God, I'm just I'm looking at this team and it it just pains me to look at some of these like numbers and stuff and just like imagining because like this is the 14 15 season when they like were hyping up the fact that they signed Nikita Nikitin and Mark Fain <laughs> and they're like oh yeah like we're ready to compete for the playoffs and it's like oh yeah we uh, also made Dallas Eakins our head coach. Um, so yeah, that's great. Um, oh. the one thing I want to say about Dallas Eakins, um, <laughs> sorry, that was fucking mean, but the one, uh, my favorite Dallas Eakins story was like at the first like press conference, he got rid of the donuts or whatever yeah, and made it like healthy rules. food. And everyone was like, the world is falling <laughs> apart. Dude, Bob Stoffer was probably losing his mind. Dude, Bob Stoffer. He was hitting the pen, and that was before <laughs> his eyes were shut. And he's like, "How am I gonna get a sugar rush?" And that was before the skip the dishes. So he was just eating celery and, and they're like, world. and they're, and they're like, they're like, Bob, quit hitting the pen. We're in a public building. I have glaucoma. <laughs> Saw a tweet. <laughs> And it was uh, in reply to a picture of Bob Stoffer, and it was like that guy puts his dress shirts on like sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> I spat my drink out because <laughs> the visual, <laughs> the visual that comes of Bob Stoffer getting ready, like, Bob, your cab's gonna be here in two minutes. I'm fucking busy. <laughs> And he's just battling to put a shirt on. I I just oh, I can't. <laughs> In a minute, darling. <laughs> yeah, fuck Craig McTavish. <laughs> um. Thank you to everyone who's been following along with this. <laughs> the second game. Second game. <laughs> the second game. Uh, I know this title's a little cheeky, but uh, 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 <laughs> and I, I wanted to like I wanted to post or I wanted to put like a meme of um of uh, <laughs> you know like the image from Breaking Bad when Jesse is like you can't yeah, keep you getting can't away with it. Yeah, um, that's uh, that's uh, uh, my version of this is, uh, well, here's the skinny, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Kyle Turris can't keep getting away with this. Um, scoring shootout winners and <laughs> being a, uh, the the epitome of a of a invisible man on five on five. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, the, the return of the Sterling Silver finish. This was a much better game from your Edmonton Oilers. And overall, an extremely entertaining hockey game. Had you on the edge of your seat for most of it. But the absolute, absolute 
highlight of this game and talk of the town has to be the hometown kid, Stuart Skinner, playing an exceptional game in what is going down in the history books as a tremendous goaltending duel. He made 46 saves on 47 shots for his first win of the season. Good for a .979 save percentage. He was on fire that game, man. And especially like staring down the ice and seeing a Vesna winner in Connor Hellebuck, like that's got to get into your head a little bit. And he absolutely stood on his and made save after save to keep the guys in the game. Looked like a vet, um, looked hot, played great, and was everything that we envisioned a homegrown Edmonton Oilers goaltending prospect to be. Through all the yesteryears of goalies past, he finally arrived. So we'll get into the further Stuart Skinner talk when we get to um, like when we get through all the games because I do want to have a I want to have a bigger discussion about Stuart Skinner because I think you probably already know where I'm going with this. Um, but I mean, the other big story about this game, and once again, it's just becoming like us as Oiler fans need to realize how lucky we are, and I know that like multiple people, myself included, get really upset with management and the coaching staff and uh, other players on the ice and just how much this team drives us completely batshit insane sometimes. But we need to like stop and smell the roses when it comes to Connor McDavid because what Connor McDavid does on a night-to-night basis and the fact that this was now two home games in a row where Connor McDavid did something ridiculous and... After Nick Ehlers just fucking sniped one on Stuart Skinner, I felt so bad for him and rifled that one on net. Connor McDavid, five minutes left, does what Connor McDavid does. Takes the puck and he scores. And that's the best way to describe it is flying through the neutral zone, flying through the offensive zone and putting it on net and scoring on a world-class goaltender. This isn't, uh, you know, this isn't uh, uh, a freaking anti-Niemi of like 2018 or something. Like this is this is a, a, a superstar goaltender in Connor Hellebuck and just came up in the clutch and then un- unfortunately took a shitty penalty at the end of the game, which uh, ended up uh, reaching a double minor, but which I, I, I also, for some reason, I also thought that you had to bleed for a double minor and I didn't see Mark Shifley bleeding. Um, the Antichrist can't bleed, Nolan. Oh my God. That's, I guess gamers don't bleed. <laughs> I think he was like, uh, right when it happened, it kind of showed it on the screen. He like touched his face and showed the ref and he had a blood spot. So it might've just been like really early onset bleeding. And then after that, just immediately clotted, which is pretty incredible. Here is my suggestion. If I'm a head coach of a team. I'd like to bring the theatrics of wrestling into the equation by shut up, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think what needs to happen is we need to instruct our players to carry razor blades in their sleeves so that if they get high stick, they immediately turn around, they give themselves a little cut and they look at the ref and say, ref, look, I'm bleeding everywhere. They got blood coming down from their face and, and yeah, it, it may hurt. You may bleed everywhere. 
you may have a possibility of giving somebody hepatitis, but you know what? You drew that four minute power play. Um, that might be the worst idea I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Just the logistics alone, Noel. <laughs> um, but yeah, Connor takes a bad penalty there. Um, but the Oilers kill it off. They get through the five, four on three. Power four play. on three, four on three. In overtime? Yeah. Um, McDavy comes back out on the ice, keeps her at fours aside for the rest of the overtime. And then it goes into a shootout where uh, Kyle Connor misses, Leon Dreisaitl misses, Mark Shifley misses, Connor McDavid scores. I think the order got fucked up there. <laughs> and then Kyle Turris, the Sterling Silver King himself, comes down the ice and gets away with another one. A shootout winner. Yeah. <sighs> Like I said, he can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> and if, hey, if he is on that ice to be a shootout specialist and keeps doing it, I am yeah. all for it. I am here for it. Um, so the other thing I wanted to mention with that is that Stuart Skinner actually, I, I think he, so he, he, he stopped both Winnipeg shooters in the shootout, right? I think so, right? Correct the move, yeah. though. So he realistically only allowed one entire goal in that entire game, and it was just a complete and utter snipe show. Fucking Chris Kyle, 250 confirmed kills by by Nick Ehlers. Yeah. Makes you feel pretty good. It, yeah. it gives you some faith in the goalie. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess thank God for Kyle Turris. <laughs> yeah, Kyle Turris is a king among men. Um he really is worth his weight in silver. He's the modern day Linus Omark. Oh, crazy. Uh, speaking of crazy, are the storylines that came out after that game? Yeah, would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's not good because, uh, guys, guess what? Uh, Darnell Nurse and Slater Cuckoo are out for like a month. Ah. So, Miles, what did the Oilers do? Well, Nolan, I think that um, this is why we deserve media passes, and that is because our discussion last week about Oilers prospects highlighted an individual named Philip Broberg, who was recalled from the Baker Bakersfield Condors to come up and join the big club, along with William Legison. And um, those are the two guys that are going to be replacing them on the back end during this next month without uh, 4K and Darnell Norris. Um Chris Russell draws in the lineup, and we proceed. So first and foremost, I want to say that I am very surprised that Dave Tippett played Philip Broberg over William Loggison. <laughs> That's are, one are of the you... most shocking developments of the season so far. I mean, I don't know if I'm really that surprised by it. Why? You may, may. Would you expand on that? Would you tell the me reason being is because you think about it, and it's like, oh, uh, you know, William Loggison's played some, uh, has played some pro games, or has played some games in the NHL last year. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a real solid player. And uh, Philip Broberg, you know, he hasn't, uh, he hasn't played on NHL ice yet. So uh, we gotta see, uh, we gotta see how it looks. So, like, I'm actually surprised that they actually, like, put him in a, like, top four role. I know that his minutes were, like, supremely limited, but that he actually played. I mean, but if you look at that from the other side of things, you got two days off between your next game. Uh, 
you're going up against the Blackhawks, who are on a road trip, who are six, nine, and two coming into that. I mean, that's a pretty favorable spot to have yeah. Philip Philip Broberg come into the game and play. So, I mean, yeah, I agree with you in terms of the experience and and that leaning towards Logason. But like, you know what? I know what Tippett knows it that Broberg's a better player. Yeah. Well, that was the thing is like, but the, 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 like the thing about Chicago too, though, is that they, they were actually winning. They had actually won four in a row at that point. They actually hadn't lost under the new head coach since Carlton got fired. I can't remember what the new head coach's name is again. I, I, I don't really think it's worth it to really know at this point. Whoopsie daisy. Oops. Oopsie doodly do. Um, but nonetheless, very happy that Philip Roberg got to play because a, he's hot. Uh, B, he's talented. And C, uh, I think he fits quite nicely on this team. And, and D, and D, it makes us look like we know what we're talking about, given last week's episode. Miles, so that we is what we call... freaking always know what we're talking about. That is what I call a 4KW, Nolan. Um, and then we have another aspect to this. Told them I'd give him a shout-out. Uh, insider and very good friend of the show, Jackson was at the past two games against the Jets and the Blackhawks, who, uh, if we can just speak candidly for a second, got to witness two absolute dairy milk chocolate bar treat games of hockey at at the Palace. So good on Jackson for getting to see those. And just, wow, he got a video of the, of the solo lap of Broberg. Which oh. is unbelievable. He got a nice video of McDave coming in and scoring that shootout goal as well. Like guy was just living La Vida Loca <laughs> in Edmonton, and uh, we're happy that he got to do that. Uh, although we are extremely jealous, but good guy deserves it. Good guy, Jackson Mahomes. We we are in, we are incredibly proud of you. Uh, a couple of big storylines coming into this game. Uh, f- first game for Duncan Keith against his former team, uh, D1K as we call him, Dick. Uh, a, a team he played he played nearly 1,200 games for. And also a big homecoming for uh, a couple of Oilers of Oilers past. Um, Caleb Jones. Uh, the the uh, uh, MAGA boy. And uh, <laughs> and our boy Jujar Kara, apparently the latter whom whomst has a huge cock on him. Gigantic junk Jujar. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, thanks for coming out. Um, enjoyed your time in Edmonton, but um, how does it feel? I also uh, like I. I miss Jujar for just the fact that he was Jujar Kara and because he was a former Oiler, and that that is about it at this Dude, point. I, I hated Jujar Kara. I hated him so much, and I've talked about it at length on the show. One of the most frustrating players to watch. <laughs> But it's it's like I said, I I only miss him really in spirit more than anything because once I see him play on the ice, it, that immediately uh, evaporates. <laughs> so um, first ten minutes were a, were a little bit concerning uh, because of the just the the fact that that the Chicago Blackhawks are just a poopy organization, uh, and with nine forty four left in the first period, McDad. Connor McDavid opened up the floodgates, scoring off of an Evan Bouchard rebound. The first of two assists for Evan Bouchard. And I forgot to mention, calling this game, we are the crazy kids, hyphen Kesha. So, 
Yes, this was a youthful, youth, a youthfully led charge, a charge led by youths. I'm actually really disappointed because I didn't get to watch this game, Nolan. And this, like, I think it, we we discussed this that the best game of the year so far has been the game against the Rangers. That might have been like the most exciting game, but I think this might have been like the best game just in, t- in terms of like the goals that were scored like shorthanded goals like young guy goals young guy contributions just cool shit like that and they won comfortably where it was never really in doubt yeah the um i can't remember who it was with the brink at the one the the four two goal by chicago um middle of the third or early in the third i was getting a little bit one for one bingo scared <laughs> because once again this is a game that the Edmonton Oilers uh, usually blow uh also wanted to mention one other thing too uh, this was the uh, this was the second straight game for Stuart Skinner after his last fantastic performance and once again shut the door he didn't have to work too 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 much but just a really 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 solid game by him and i, I just uh, What's that? Not to me- not to mention that the goals that he gave him in this game were not um, gross or bad or anything yeah. in that regard. Like he gave up a double redirected goal that um, they thought Kirby Doc scored, and then later got changed to Brinkat because it deflected twice in front of him, like like ten feet. So like not really that mad about that one. And then he got beat off of like a bad jump that uh, uh, was the victim or made uh, Evan Bouchard the victim of a bad puck bounce that led to a two-on-one that just, like, tough to stop. Tough yeah. to stop and, that and, kind of goal. And which, that that too is, uh, like, I don't even pin that goal on Bouchard. I actually blame it more on Ryan McLeod, because Ryan McLeod, so the power play is just about to finish, and Stuart Skinner does, like, the classic sort of, like, smacking smack the stick on the ice to to alert the team that there's going to... That, like, the power play is going to be over pretty shortly, so that means the guy's going to be coming out of the box. And Ryan McLeod just sends this, like, disgusting backhand back over to uh, uh, Evan Bouchard. And when I say disgusting, I don't mean in, like, a sexy way. I mean in a just, like... Do it vomit-inducing. Yeah, vomit-inducing. And, and we just we just don't like to see that uh, from our toothless uh, from our toothless young lad. But Ryan McLeod, good game. And Very good game. His fucking goal he scored was the type of goal I'm waiting to see from this guy. Like, he was... He was... He was driving the puck offensively all game. When when hockey guys talk and say that's a goal scorer's goal, I think that that's similar to what he did there because that quick move right in front of Lincoln and just to like he caught him moving laterally and pulled it to the side that was furthest away from him and just tucked it like that was that's 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 a vet goal. That's a nice goal. Also may not show up on the score sheet very much, but this game for Warren Fogle, fantastic. Folks had a massive game. Uh, I also want to, uh, what would a one-for-one one episode be without Miles simping for a goalie? Kevin Lankin, and uh, numbers won't look very forgiving, but I thought that he played a pretty good game. A lot of the goals that went in on him, similar to what we were saying about Skinner, weren't like yucky or crusty or anything like that. They were all like pretty nice goals scored on a, on a guy where you just straight up get beat or a pass gets 
sent cross crease or I don't know, gets put on an absolute tee from Leon Dreisaitl to, to Tyson Berry where you're let kind of left out to dry. He made a few really nice saves as well. One on Isipoli yeah, Arvey, who had kind of a quiet night. And then he made a really nice one on uh, Zach Cassian. And I know that there was the bar out uh, shot from Bouchard too that very well could have been a goal and would have made up for one of those. But all in all, I think Kevin Lankin and played a, a pretty solid game he's a good goalie i like yeah, what i see from it him. was it was really more of just like a rough and it, like none i don't want to say like a rough first period for him you know who it was a rough game for fucking seth jones <laughs> oh uh, my god that cough up uh oh for the, for the yamo shorthanded oh. that's a nine and a half million dollar d-man the, the mcdavid that's- goal Dude, that's a guy who got named to the U.S. Olympic team over Adam Fox. Miles, the McDavid goal is... Like, uh, people can't see me right now, but I'm just... I'm rubbing my eyes, like, aggressively. Stop doing that, King. You're going to get wrinkles. Uh, Well, guess what? I already have crow's feet. Uh, I just, (laughs) like... (laughs) Sorry, go on. The best hockey player in the world and highest paid hockey player in the world, for good reason, is in front of the net. Like, right in front of the net. Naked. And Seth Jones is like four feet away from him. Like, the fuck? No, to be honest with you, like I said, I didn't watch that game because I was out in Moose, I was out in Moose Jaw for a friend of the show, uh... Steve's birthday. We, we took a party bus to, to Moose Jaw to watch the Warriors and Pats. Really nice time. Um, shout out to everybody that was there. I got fucking dragged over the coals on that. I got chirped so hard on that bus uh, about the pod. Very funny, though. I'll tell you later. Anyway, but uh, because I obviously wasn't watching the game, I was watching the highlights. And it's like the NHL version. It's condensed. It's nine minutes or whatever. But watching that McDavid goal, and I didn't notice the number. I just saw Jones, and I was like, oh, Caleb, really giving Connor space there. And I'm like, oh, no. That's Seth. That's, that's the $9.5 million dollar man yeah. leaving Connor McDavid alone, naked in front of the net, like yeah. on an island, for him to not just bang a puck in, but like stick his ass out, get leverage, and bomp it in. Like, come on. That's, come on, man. Yeah, I, I just, I, I, you know, I know that a lot of people get really upset with uh, with um, Darnell Nurse, and for good reason. I think that, I mean, I, I still say it to this day, I still don't like that contract for Darnell Nurse, and I don't think either of us do, and I don't think most Oilers fans do. I think most Oilers fans would probably be in agreement that he's definitely overpaid by quite a bit, but... I've never seen Darnell Nurse have that kind of game. Like, that's that's shocking how bad of a game Seth Jones had. I mean, hopefully the guy can hopefully the guy can pick it up and he can be better for them. Actually, well, no, f- fuck the Blackhawks. They can rot for all I care. But, I, I, yeah, it just I, it, it blows my mind. I, I cannot believe how horrible of a game he had against, like, and fine, they're coming off of a back-to-back, but holy smokes. Um, one last thing, a point for Philip Broberg. First NHL point. Very good to see. Um, let's get that number changed ASAP because right now he's wearing the same number as Nikita Nikitin. Yikes. Um, but overall, good game. Um, two shorties. 
five-on-three power play goal for Tyson Berry. Just, I mean, he 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 walked in with a, as I would call it, a double car driveway in front of him. Uh, all yeah, the room in the world. That was uh, that was one for one bingo. Pretty gross to see from the Chicago Blackhawks. I think was that a five-on-three or just a regular power play? Five-on-three. Yeah, so I mean, he's gonna have time and space, but like we talk about systems and stuff like that uh, in previous episodes, like uh, what the fuck are you doing there? Yeah. <laughs> it can't be it. You can't let them collapse on you like that as an offense. Like they had you pincered in and just snuck him in. Uh, also, Leon's goal, the five goal, the shorthanded goal, is just like some pimp shit yeah it's it's a it's a superstar doing superstar things that's an an excellent read like in the defensive zone on the penalty kill great burst of speed jump up catches the puck with lots of laneway left into him honestly kind of surprised lincoln and didn't jump out on that but like dry played it perfect like there wasn't much that Lincoln could have done there because like dry kind of caught it at the perfect spot came in and just wired one and perfect placement of a shot. Great goal. Uh, had his mouth guard out the entire time. Like that is rock star level shit. I don't know how much the underlying numbers will support this theory, but I think he is a lot better defensively this year. Like I've seen a massive improvement from him defensively. Um, I could be out to lunch and I, I, I could be reading too much into it, but I, I really think he's gotten a lot better. Um, I think it's probably helping that he's not on the PK as much anymore. Um, that's more of a Zach Hyman and Ryan Nugent Hopkins thing, along with obviously like the undersized duo. Um, I didn't write this down, but uh, like Colton Sevier came in for this game and I thought he was really solid. I, he played a great game. Yeah, I, I've, I've been thoroughly impressed with Colton Sevier. I would... I also like what Tyler Benson is sort of doing now where he's just becoming a, like a kind of a bottom six prick. And <laughs> at this point, like as much as I want to see him elevated to the top six, just to see what's there. That's the biggest thing is I just want to see him with some skilled players just to see what's there. If there's nothing there, then fine. We at least tried it out. And we got to see, like we got to see what happened. Um, but I think there's no, I think there's there's no harm in carving out a role for yourself as just a fucking asshole on the fourth line. Um, and ideally, I would love to see next game uh, a, a fourth line with Tyler Benson, uh, Derek Ryan, and Colton Sevier. That would that would be nice. But that's unfortunately that's it's looking like Pierolini and uh, Turris are back in. What's that? That's a bunch of pricks. If yep. those guys are together, that is a that is a prick of a fourth line, and that's one that makes it really hard to, especially if it's a home game, to come into a building and play against. So yeah, yeah. I, I I get it there. Um, all right, Nolan, we do overall. I think we do overall Oilers discussion, and there's a few things in here that I want to talk about. Um, so can you write this down and, and mentally make a note? Uh, we got to talk. We got to yeah. talk about Skinner. We got to talk about defense. We got to talk about the new enemy. And we got to talk about Yamamoto. Uh, okay. Hold on. Can I get the Yamo thing out of the way first? Yes. Um, call me a hypocrite. Call me a bad guy. Call me whatever you want. Just don't call me a Yamamoto hater. Because I am fucking back in on this kid. Uh, so... Okay, so we got Yamo Skinner, defenseman, least favorite team. Does that sound correct? No, new nemesis is oh, what we're new, calling oh, it. Oh, new nemesis. Gotcha. New gotcha. nemesis. Let me just so, uh, fix that up there. Thanks, guy. Um, the glue that holds this pod together. Yes. Thank you. Yamo. 
Um, dude, I, I, I know that I hate him and chirp him. And even two episodes ago said, I fucking hate this kid, but I'm calling it now. I think that he's rekindling some of the confidence that he had um, two seasons ago when he came in and the dry line was extremely productive. And like right when he got called up and came in and made an immediate impact and he was playing with, with some tenacity and some offensive upside, just the past couple of games, man, he looks like a brand new man. And with the goals that he's scoring and the jump in his step, just from the, the, the body language of him as a player on the ice, I think that he's finally gotten the monkey off of his chest and, and got a little bit of that swagger back. And I think that he's going to, I think he's going to be pretty good for the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I think the 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 overall, I guess, like theme with Kyle Yamamoto is like I, I I've been kind of up and down with how I with how I view him because there are times when the Chicago game is a prime example where I I I firmly believe that if this kid were to hit every and I kind of mentioned this in when I, I think it was actually in our first episode or for very first ever episode. We were talking about Philip Roberg, and I mentioned if he ticks every one of those boxes, what this player could become. And I have been very, very, very confident in Kyler Yamamoto being similar to like a, a light version of Brad Marchand, like a guy that can be really great on both ends of the ice, um, has a really good offensive game to him, has a little bit of creativity, can maybe drive a line maybe, and most importantly, gets in the grill of the other team and just pisses them right off. And the inconsistencies still are there, unfortunately, with this game offensively. I still think that on a night-to-night basis, he brings it defensively no matter what. Um, He's fast. He can hold on to the puck. I think his finishing still needs a little bit of work. But, I mean, realistically, guys will find their shot back, and you don't just lose that overnight. And I, I, I'm, I'm in total agreement with you, man. I, I, I'm, I'm still at that point where if, if we get to like, let's say trade deadline and Yamo has, I don't know if he's got like seven goals or something like that. And he's got like maybe, you know, 18, 19 points. Then if there's an, if there's an offer available where you can get like a great top six forward right now, then I would take that deal. Yeah, but, you you sell those stocks after yeah. return is high. I agree. I agree. But yeah. I'm think I'm thinking that he's he's. Oh, I guess I got my swagger back. Like I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be doing some shit. Speaking of having swagger, Nolan, there's a name being thrown around Edmonton currently, and that is the Skin Dog. Yeah. So this was the, the this was the one thing I want to talk about the most. Um, because I think it brings up an interesting question. What do we think we should do with Stuart Skinner? Um, I'm trying to think of this eloquently. Um, ride him like a cheap mule. <laughs> yes. All the way. <laughs> Let's go. All the way to Nazareth. <laughs> Uh, no, Stuart Skinner, man, has caught lightning in a bottle right now. And this sample size is small. But is it that small, Nolan? He's played four games a season, and we talked about them pretty in-depth. Uh, the game against the Red Wings, uh, really, he played a great game. I wish he would have won that. The game against the, the um, Sabres, he played a really great game. I wish the team would have showed up. He really deserved to win that. 
comes in in relief against the Jets, um, goes eight for eight and gives them a little bit of life in the third period, stands on his dome the next game against the Jets, steals a win. Let's call a spade a spade. Steals that win. Uh, and then comes in against the Blackhawks and cements a win. So, first and foremost, I'd like to say that a, 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 wee, a, a wee little birdie told me that uh, a few years ago, a team called the St. Louis Blues had a 25-year-old rookie goaltender that was on waivers at the beginning of the season that came in, Jordan Shittington, if you will, and led, well, had a very large part in the St. Louis Blues going to the Stanley Cup final and winning said Stanley Cup. Um, I also go back to a little guy named, uh, little guy named Connor Hellebuck at the age of, looks like about 23 around here. He, he comes in the 15, 16 season, plays 26 games, goes 13, 11, or 13, 11 and 0 with a 2.34 GAA and a 0.918 save percentage, two shutouts. And this is after a pretty good season in the AHL where he played for the Manitoba Moose and then played for the St. John's Ice Caps the year before and was a go-to starter and putting up some pretty nice numbers, somewhat comparable to Stuart Skinner. Man, I have never, and I'm I'm just being honest with this, I, I, Mike Smith is confident, he really is. I have never seen an Oilers goaltender, at least, sorry, I shouldn't say never, but I haven't seen this iteration of the Oilers, the Connor McDavid era, have a goalie play as confident as Stuart Skinner. Stuart Skinner is insanely confident, man. I, I don't know what it is, but this guy, every, every time the camera pans to him, he just, he, he looks completely unfazed. And that is like the killer we need in the net. I mean, really, if you if you look at this, I, and I agree with you, I agree with you wholeheartedly. But if you look at this from like a, a a best case worst case scenario, best case scenario, they catch lightning in a bottle. He's a stud. Um, they ride him. Koskinen and Smith are just there for support, and you know everything is great, and the world is fantastic. Um, worst case scenario, you've got, you know, Ben Scrivens. <laughs> you got a capable guy in Miko Koskinen who is there to fall back on. And then you've got Mike Smith down the road if things get really, really scary. So, what, in the words of former President Donald Trump, what the hell do you have to lose? Yeah. And the other thing too with like Mike Smith is it just recently got announced today that um, he's still having some major injury troubles. Um, Ryan Rashog tweeted that it doesn't look like surgery is necessarily going to be needed, but it's not ruled out. So once again, he's 39 years old. Ken, Kenneth, darling, what were you thinking giving him two years? Uh, but so this this is like we 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 want we want these young guys to come and take spots because we don't want to just give them out to guys and I I fully agree with the coaching staff in doing that so this is the time come take those spots like Philip Roberg played really well he had an assist this is your time man like could could, you, could he be better than fucking Slater Cuckoo 
Like he very absolutely. well could be. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And like and... you know, Darnell Nurse is still out. Let Darnell Nurse recover. Let him rest. The like the guy has basically been an Iron Man for the last five years. Give the guy his rest, let him get better, and when he comes back, he can be the best version of Darnell Nurse possible. And this will kind of come back around to where I, I want to explore trade-wise because I, I, I for, I'm, I'm fairly confident in this team at this point. Um, I think offensively, th- this team can can score their way out of a lot. And I know there's a lot of like advanced numbers five on five at the bottom six has just not been performing. I think we're going to kind of see that sort of round into form now that Ryan McLeod's got a little bit more confidence. And um, and this kind of goes to like 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 a like a side a side rant where, you know, I, I really think we need to like, at, at least with advanced analytics, we need to understand that there are that just because a player is playing in a certain percentage or, you know, like a certain percentile that there's so many factors that go into this. And if a player just catches a little bit of confidence that does so much for a player and can completely change the outlook of their season. So I just want to keep that in mind. Um, now, my biggest issue with this team still so far is defensively. Everybody talks about goaltending, and I know you and I have already talked about this before, where everybody is so concerned, you know, going into the trade deadline. Oh, like the Oilers need to get a number one goal. The Oilers need to get a proper number one goaltender. If Stuart Skinner is not ready, and Stuart Skinner, let's say, has a hot five games, and then after that, he's just kind of, he's just kind of, you know, mediocre to stinky. And we have to rely on Miko Koskinen. Absolutely, we should go after that number one goaltender. But this is what I wanted. I wanted the team to take a chance on this because in sports, this always happens. You you have all these guys that you have meant for these roles, and then there's always the one X factor. There's that guy that comes out of nowhere, and realistically, in the organization, Stuart Skinner hasn't just come from nowhere. But the immediate plans were not for Stuart Skinner. But he's knocking on the door and he is he wants to make it known that he is that number one guy. And if he can take that number one spot right now, then fucking do it. You're twenty three you got a twenty three year old rookie goaltender who's got two years at seven hundred and fifty grand. Take advantage of it. That's we've said it time and time again. That's what allows teams to extend their cup window, allows teams to have a cup window, and that's guys on good team contracts coming in and playing better than those contracts. Uh, what's the longevity of that? Good question, because when those guys need to get paid, they get fucking paid. But, I mean, the fact that we're even talking about the Edmonton Oilers as a as a contender, and I don't think that that's a crazy thing to say at this point in the season. They're looking really good. If they're able to keep playing up to this standard, and as we're going to talk about right away here, um, maybe potentially add some potential pieces, come playoff time. Yeah, so... Let's get to what I think they could improve on. Um, so this team defensively needs some friggin' work because, and it's not going to be very easy because you have to make that decision. And I think ideally going into playoffs, you do not want to have Philip Broberg playing every every game in the playoffs. Um, I still think playing a rookie defenseman that quickly may not be an ideal choice. And instead, what I would like to ex- explore is Duncan Keith moving down to the bottom pairing, which I think Duncan Keith would be wonderful in a bottom pairing role. You put him, you you have him averaging like 16 minutes a game. Oh, 
baby. That's the, that's the good stuff. Now, I feel like I've brought him up before on the show. Do you know who my number one is? Um, does he have the same last name as a serial killer? And does he play for a team in California? Uh, not the same as a serial killer. No. Um, but he does play in a team in California. Hmm. Who is it? Nolan? Oh, I know who you were going to. I want Hampus Lindholm. Hampus Lindholm. Okay. Not a serial killer. Um, I thought that you were going to say Josh Manson. He, if we didn't, if, if all three right D spots were not completely, were not like we're not completely filled at this point because they're they're not trading Tyson Berry. So as much as everybody wants to like bitch and moan that they want Tyson Berry gone, well, guys, we're stuck with him for at least at least this season. So, um, and sh- shout out Tyson Berry for being the after hours guest. I actually really enjoyed his little interview. So I I, I thought that I thought it was really nice, and he had a nice little um, he had a nice little part where. He was like his his billet sister was talking about how much she loved him, and it was just so sweet. Um, but I think Hampus Lindholm on this team provides uh, gr- great penalty killing, but most importantly, consistent five on five play. A guy that can imagine like a super tar. Like remember how excited we were for the first like two games of like Dmitry Kulikov, and we thought how awesome he was. Think like a supercharged version of that. A guy that has actually had experience playing a top pairing role. And when when the going gets tough for Darnell Nurse, well, guess what? Hampus Lindholm can take over, and he can play that role. You don't need him to be crazy good offensively. You need him to shut people down. You need to have you need to deploy him against the other team's top competition. This needs to be a guy that's like. When the Leafs got Jake Muzzin, that that type of presence, or like when when like the Lightning got Ryan McDonough, you need a guy like that that you can plug in and play a consistent twenty to twenty two minutes a night, and maybe you can re-sign this guy and bring him back, and then you can have him play a role similar to like what we would have envisioned Adam Larson playing this year, where you know he's eighteen nineteen minutes a game, but he's just he's just shut down. He's a lockdown player, and. That way, you're not playing Philip Broberg. You're not you're not overextending him at such a young age, but you have experience coming in, and you have a, a top flight player being added to this group. Yeah, I think that Hampus Lindholm. He's been brought up here before. Manson's been brought up before, um, but I think that what kind of everybody's in agreement for in terms of a of a rental would be that left left defensive defense left defenseman, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that that Lindholm uh, would also add another element to the Battle of Alberta. Having both Lindholms uh, playing against each other is just something that is always interesting and always kind of fun to see. But is there any other players, Nolan, in terms of trade trade bait that you'd be interested in? Um, I mean, going back to the same team, I think I would be lying if we, um, you know, if if I didn't say that, uh, um, if I didn't say that the the jg uh situation is not uh a little bit a, l- a little bit tantalizing <laughs> but I, I at this point i'm just i i know i'm riding a high right now and i know that i'm going to be disappointed and i know that i'm reading too much into this but the man the fucking stewart skinners i just want this to happen so badly i want the the homegrown alberta boy to come in and to like lead this team to a stanley cup how sweet would that be um, Stuart Skinner, uh, stop the presses. 
Stuart, Stuart Skinner, Skinner or ha- die. Stuart Skinner has my full unadulterated support until further notice. That's that. That's what I like to hear. Uh, what what do you have for a potential trade candidate that that you like? You know what, man? Um, a left left hand defenseman. I really don't care, <laughs> to be completely honest with you. And to to be even more honest with you, Nolan, I'm not prepared. I haven't looked. That's okay. So don't right be, now, don't right now, honest. I could throw out a name, and then you'd be like, "He's got four more years of four point eight. He's yeah. fucking horrible." And then I'd be like, oh, shit, like, I don't know what I'm talking about. So I will I will absolutely let you keep the reins there, Nolan, because I think the next thing that we're going to talk about is is a discussion that I'm going to have a few things to say about, which I will more than take advantage of. One 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 last team to keep an eye on with regards to a lot of actually there's there's two of them. So one of them being uh, no longer a divisional rival, but the Arizona Coyotes. I mean, they're going to go full fire sale, and I mean, I know we kind of laughed about them last episode. We did not laugh, Nolan. We respected. We we respected the career, but I mean, could you imagine Phil Kessel and Connor McDavid on the same line? Man, (laughs) don't even joke about it because Phil would be a thrill. Um, yeah, I wouldn't hate to see that either. My only issue with adding another forward is that, like, I really like the forward group. So do I. I I think that there's a fair amount of cooks already in that kitchen, and I don't want to bring more competition in right now and and mess with the flow. Um, Do I want to see them get better? Absolutely. Would I sub a guy out if it was an immediate, like, added benefit absolutely but i don't think that that is necessarily the point that this team should be focusing on so i don't i don't want to i don't want to mess with any of the chem there i would rather go the defense route and play things uh play things uh safe than bring in a wild card veteran rental and potentially throw it all away and the last team that i wanted to just just quickly touch on just quickly just do a little just do a little tap on The Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> Keep them as far away from as as possible away from from this team. I don't want any of that crap getting in. You don't want you don't want Elias Pettersson for a second round pick. <laughs> <laughs> Who says no? no? <laughs> um. Also, did you see that clip of Grandland like choking down on his stick and just looking like yeah, uh, inside yeah. of the net? Yeah, very funny, very funny. Canuck season in a nutshell. Sorry, 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 Leach. And it was uh, Connor Garland, by the way. Before you get Garland, oh yeah, yeah, but yeah, before you get added, ah, uh, don't at us. Uh, hashtag Methuselah. Um, <laughs> anywho's Nolan, is it time that we we finally get to the, the new nemesis segment of the show? Yes. All right. Now, here at One for One headquarters, Nolan and I discuss Oilers-related things um, pretty much daily. And it should come as no surprise that there is a team in the National Hockey League that we as Oilers fans absolutely despise. Historically, that has been the team from Southern Alberta. We've had a lot of laughs. We've had a lot of fun at the expense of the Calgary Flames. We've brought Flames fans on the show 
we've made tattoo jokes about Flames fans who are friends of the show. We've laughed. We've cried. We've made fun of Gaudreau. But there is a team to the east of us that is full of absolute scallywags. And this has led to Nolan and I starting a movement that places the Winnipeg Jets as the new nemesis to the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, it's there's just a couple of the Battle of Alberta doesn't have the same doesn't have the same oomph as it did before. And especially after that playoff series, which those dirty cheaters, the Winnipeg Jets, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll call you guys dirty cheaters. And also in that 2-1 game this week where um you know, uh, Tyler Benson retaliatory slash against Dylan DeMello. And, and and Dylan DeMello must have torn his ACL on that play because I've never seen I, I not not since the Summer Olympics have I seen a, a bigger group of divers. <laughs> oh. Ha ha! Gotcha, gotcha! You stinking Jets fans, and I I can't fucking stand this team. I just I I can't stand them. I can't stand the only player I somewhat like. Or there's two players I only somewhat like. I I like Blake Wheeler because he seems like he's a good dude, and I like uh, I like freaking Nikolai Ehlers because he just rules. He's just so good at hockey. I fucking hate Josh Morrissey. I hate Logan Stanley. I hate Gamer Mark. Oh, sorry. I like Connor Hellebuck too. Whoopsie Daisy. I, I despise Gamer Mark. Yeah. I I I I I I would love Neil Pionk's head on a stick. Um I I just I f- fuck all of them. Fuck fuck them all except for those like handful of people that I actually enjoy. Dude, even Pierre-Luc Dubois. I oh. don't like you. You yeah. suck. You're a dork. Brendan Dillon. What? Who are you? Another gamer? So sick. Um, baby Svechnikov, too? Throw him away. Lowry, loser. Nate Schmidt, not that funny. Stop miking him up. Riley Nash, not even a cool dude either. Um, I'm just looking at some Laurent other Laurent Bressois, identity crisis. He's not even on the team anymore. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's on Vegas. <laughs> but we hate him. We hate him all. And the, the Calgary Flames, conversely, uh, Michael Backlund, hot guy, cool, good enough. Don't entirely despise you. Dylan Dubé, also good, hardworking kid. Um, Mange. Mange. We love Mange. Everybody, how can you not like Mange? He's a fucking good dude. He played for Team Canada. He's Italian. He's got like 15 goals already. Tyler Pitlick, former Oiler. Uh, Matthew Kachuk was almost an Oiler. Yeah, we don't love him, but we do understand him if that makes sense there is no love there is no like there is simply tolerance um defenseman we hate rasmus anderson noah hannafin i don't really have any strong opinions against noah hannafin like he's an american defenseman he's kind of okay mark stone's brothers on the team chris tanev has long hair has another funny brother in the nhl like Dude, Oliver Shillington is Oliver insane. Shillington. Right. So we yeah. have a, f- a few guys that, as hockey fans, we don't entirely hate on the Flames. You forgot but my that... favorite player, Elias Lindholm. Elias Lindholm. Another yeah. hot guy. Another hot Swede. But the players on the Jets instill 
a this is funny fire inside of me a flame of hatred inside of me that i haven't felt in years nolan and it has led me to wholeheartedly dub the winnipeg jets as the new nemesis for the edmonton oilers they are the chicago bulls version of the detroit pistons we must vanquish them in order to counteract our demons and move along a playoff march they must fall as the white walkers did at the gates of winterfell game of thrones they gotta go down <sighs> yeah I, I i there's there's so many things i would love to just say that just anger me and and might get me canceled and i i don't want to do that i'm not gonna take that chance just yet I'd, I'd like to get a few more years out of this thing before i before i inevitably take that chance yeah fuck the winnipeg jets thank you miles fuck, very fuck much the winnipeg jets. For, for doing that I, I i i needed that it was it was actually a cathartic needless to say Yes, I do feel significantly better. And that leads me into what I would like to do for the end of the episode, Nolan. Oh, Matthew Shane, the white yeah. pump king, the guy who's most likely to pull you aside at a party, grab a guitar, and play Wonderwall. Um, having a great little year for himself. Hey? Did you know Matthew Shane plays guitar? Did you know that he wears cowboy boots? Did you know that he moved to Nashville because he really likes country music? Did you know that when he was a kid, he was a fan of the Colorado Avalanche? And then they drafted him? And then he took that fucking picture when he was really mad at the team? Remember that picture? Uh, I do. That was uh, an do, you, do, you I remember when he, do you remember when he was like 18 feet offside? And, <laughs> and then it changed offside ruling forever? Uh, Matt Duchesne has had uh, an impact on the game that I don't think enough, a lot of people really give him the credit for. Oh my god. Um, I just realized the Matt Duchesne trade again. Oh my god. I can't believe that Ottawa did that. Speak. Um so okay, so it That was so mean, dude. It, it, so, tell me about it. So in case in case like people don't remember the Matthew Shane trade, it was a three team trade, okay? I'm gonna see Miles if you can guess who some of these guys were that were involved in this trade. Okay, so first and foremost, the key the, the key piece that the Avalanche got back in this trade, Samuel Gerard. Okay. So, um, tough hang, uh, for the, cause it was, it was three teams. It was the Ottawa Senators, the Colorado Avalanche and the Nashville Predators. Uh, the Avalanche also got Vladislav Kamenev. Uh, they also got a second round pick in the 2018 NHL draft from the Predators, as well as Andrew Hammond, Shane Bowers, and first and third round picks in 2018 from the Ottawa Senators. Okay. I will get to what the 2018 pick was. The Ooh. Predators, can you guess? So, so the Predators. I, I remember now. You were you remember who got who who the who the Predators got? Yes, they got the Sterling Silver King himself. Did they not? They they got they got Kyle Turris. Incredible. Oof. Um. Now back to the Senators and what they traded to the Avalanche and were sorry what the Avalanche got. So they got the first and third round picks in 2018. The first round pick was lottery or was yeah was lottery protected and if they decided to use that first round pick in 2018 they they would automatically give the 2019 pick over to the Colorado Avalanche so 2018 draft Ottawa Senators were really stinky despite acquiring Matthew Shane 
They get the fourth overall pick. What do they decide to do, Miles? Uh, the fact that it was fourth overall makes me think that it was Makar or Byram. They kept it and selected Brady Kachuk. Oh fuck. Okay. Oh, sorry. I wasn't listening to you. It's sorry. okay. It's okay. Don't 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 worry. This is this is for the listeners. It's for the audience. So that means that the 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 Colorado Avalanche got the first they got the first round pick in 2019 instead, in which they selected fourth overall again. So Auto Senators do not have this selection, so it goes to the Colorado Avalanche, and the Colorado Avalanche select Bowen Byram. Okay, so so I yeah. was a year ahead. So out okay, of this cool trade, beans. they got both Samuel Gerard and Bowen Byram for Matthew Shane, who ended up leaving as a free agent from the Ottawa Center. Well, he ended up getting traded to the Columbus Blue Jackets for a, 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 a effectively six cents on the dollar, um, and then left as a free agent to go sign with the Nashville Predators to a seven-year contract worth $8 million per year, which is psychotic shit. Um but yes, as you mentioned with Matthew Shane, Matthew Shane playing really well this season, having a really nice start. Um, the the Nashville Predators, a team that doesn't quite know uh, w- what they are, um, they decided to trade Victor Arvidsson and, and a bunch of stuff and then decided to give four years to Matthias Ekholm. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But Matthew Shane doing really well. 12 goals, 7 assists for in 17 games for the second wild card spot Predators. I wouldn't be surprised if the Predators make the playoffs in the wild card position, but he's tied for 10th in NHL scoring. They'll probably make the playoffs and then get blasted in the first round. That's kind of what what I what I expect at this point for the Nashville Predators. I just just fucking rebuild, guys. Like what are you doing? What are you, what are you, what are you trying to convince yourself of? Like Jesus Christ. I don't want to be anything other than what I've been trying to be lately. That's the Nashville Predators. The Nashville Predators love Gavin DeGraw. And do you know what makes this deeper? He that he has been photographed in a Nashville Predators jersey a number of times. I think he sang the anthem there. Um, Gavin Very DeGraw, sick. former dude who sang the song for One Tree Hill. Very sick. Nolan. Yes, Miles. Should we should we should we do a standing snapshot a snapshot here and just run through what's going on in the NHL right now? We can. That's we can. Um, would you like to go? Would you yes, like to? Absolutely. I probably got to get you out of here. It's late. It's okay. Um, I'll be quick. I'll be no quick, problem. Nolan. Yeah, the Atlantic. Worry. The Atlantic. Do thing. The Atlantic Division, starting with the Atlantic, the mighty Atlantic, the ocean that the Titanic sank in. Um. <laughs> funny right i have a i have a few aquatic jokes in here that are gonna be uh, Aqua- yeah that's that's an aquatic joke is the is the sinking of the titanic has to do with water and boats i classify that as aquatic um, do you also do you also consider like the fucking storming of normandy beach an aquatic one as well i don't think that that's a joke no one but I think that there's an aquatic theme to it. Yeah, there's water and oh, boats. I would think that it would fit. Um, you fucking dork. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, Joel Quinville's former team, the Florida Panthers, looking like an absolute wagon. So... You mean former head coach Joel Quinville? Yeah, that's what I said, isn't it? No, I, th- I think you I said, said Joel Quinville's former team. Oh, his. okay, So sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, 13 wins, two losses, three overtime losses, and 18 games placed. They're really setting the pace there. Nipping at their heels are the Toronto Maple Leafs, who have played two more games than them and are two points back. The Tampa Bay Lightning, Tampa Bay, back-to-back Cup champions, sitting in third. Not sure if they've completely woken up. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings look to be the supply supri- supplies surprise in this division, sitting in fourth place ahead of the Boston Bruins by one point. The Buffalo Sabres sit comfortably numb in sixth with 16 points, four points ahead of the Montreal Canadiens, and uh, the Ottawa Senators are in last in the division. <laughs> um, that's the Atlantic. The, hey, obviously, the big surprise there is the Red Wings. Leafs um, have been Bruins red hot as well. Sneak in there. Leafs have been streaking. Um, if the Bruins uh, get their shit together and and take back that fourth spot, um, the seating will be different than what we have said. But the um, one, two, three, four, I think, would match our uh, predicted teams to make the playoffs there. So for those keeping track at home, that's what's going on in the Titanic Atlantic Division. Oh, I'm really excited for you to talk about the next division because I, I love seeing who's actually in the first wildcard position in the East. This is this is an incredible one, too, here. Uh, the Metropolitan Division, Nolan, the Carolina Hurricanes, who have been, again, just an absolute nasty, nasty wrecking ball. 14-2-0, uh, good for 28 points to lead the league, to lead the league, lead the division uh, on their heels are the Washington Capitals, who have played three more games than them and set a point back. Washington, very good team as well. The New York Rangers, who have been a pleasant surprise in the Metropolitan Division, sit third. Shout out NYR Nick. Shout out Connor Rogers. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets would be fourth. Yeah, baby. Ash, fucking just wait. Uh, sit fourth <laughs> in that division. The Philadelphia Flyers and New Jersey Devils are in 5-6, both at 19 points. The Pittsburgh Penguins are right there as well with 18. And then the New York Islanders sit last in the division with 12 points. Granted, Nolan, they started the season off 14 consecutive road games and didn't get their home opener until this weekend against the Calgary Flames, which I believe they dropped. But... um, I don't know if they've lost all of their swag since they left the left the dirty swamp lands of Nassau, but um, not looking great for the Islanders. They could potentially be another seller at the deadline if they don't turn it around. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think the Islanders will be fine. I think they'll work their way back in. I think Philly and Jersey are fucking frauds. Um, I think... Um, I think we could see some more stuff from the Rangers as well, just because like I, I, I keep on reading all this stuff about how like Gerard Gallant keeps on playing Patrick Nemeth like a crazy amount. And famously, Patrick Nemeth was the one that got his uh, uh, jock deke to the fucking outer space by Connor McDavid. Um, but I mean, it all seems like it's kind of falling into place. Toronto's back where they were supposed to be. They were they're the, they're the they were the hottest team in the league. Carolina with Ethan Bear looking phenomenal as, as per usual. They've just been getting they've just been getting timely goaltending and timely scoring, defending well. I mean, everything's looking out for them. I don't think Detroit's really a team that's going to be in the mix all that much. I think that they'll be that they'll be feisty going or you know closing out the year. I think Lucas Raymond has been incredible, but don't totally see it. New Jersey's going to get Jack Hughes back fairly shortly, which will be a really nice boost for them. I like seeing I like seeing them being good. I don't like seeing PK Subban just committing dirty fraud like dirty fraudulent hits every uh, every two weeks it seems like and now knocking Sammy Blay out for the season. Um, 
No, I, I I think that a lot of these things just kind of fall into place more than anything. I think the the team I've been most surprised by has honestly been the Washington Capitals, and I know I shouldn't be surprised by that, but they've just they've looked dominant. And man, I've said it. I think I said it last show, but Ovi has looked incredible. Like he does. People are people are underselling just how good Alex Ovechkin's been this year. Like he hasn't just been, you know. Ovi, that's going to score 50 goals, you know, 35 of them are going to be on the power play and then whatever else. Like, he looks like a superstar winger again. Like, he looks like he might be the best or the second best winger in the NHL at this point. Yeah, he, um, there's an alternate universe here where he left Washington, went to the Oilers, and is getting fed from Connor McDavid and has even more goals. But we don't even really need to talk about that. Um, Moving on to the Central Division, Nolan. Um, the Minnesota Wild with the 900-year-old rookie are currently sitting in fourth. Fuck me. Try that again. The Minnesota Wild with the third, <laughs> with the 30-year-old rookie are uh, currently sitting first in the division with 23 points, followed by the team we hate more than any other, and that is the Winnipeg Jets with 22, nipping at their heels. The St. Louis Blues are extremely close as well. The Blues. The Blues. The with- free-falling St. Louis Blues. Sit there with 20 points, uh, so three off the pace. The Nashville Predators, the identity crisis team themselves, sit fourth in that division with 19. The Colorado Avalanche are right there as well with 17. The Dallas Stars behind them at 16. Chicago Blackhawks at 14, and the Arizona Coyotes at 10. So the Central Division, very tight at the top, very tight in the middle, and um, I would say even not that bad at the bottom. So Central Division has a lot of competition in it. Um, yeah, I think the surprise in that division would be just how stinky Colorado is playing. Not stinky, but like just where they are. Yeah, I know they've I know they've had some COVID issues, and obviously McKinnon's out for a while now. But I, I think that this like like this team's starting to kind of get some games under their belt now. Like they're seven two and one in their last ten, and they've won four games in a row. I feel pretty good about Colorado. I, I think that they're still going to be probably maybe the best team in the league this year, um, and will may, may like may finish in the Stanley Cup final. Well, you got to get through Edmonton first, but <laughs> um, woo! Uh, so I, I mean, I yeah, like I I I still think Chicago's really bad. Um, like I I know that we didn't really touch upon this in this uh in well, like when, when we talked about the Chicago game but like that's a bad team. That's just not a not a good team whatsoever. Like they are defensively all over the place. They're very similar to Buffalo in that way where there's just so much time and space available for players to just operate. Uh so I I don't I, I don't I definitely don't see Chicago making the playoffs and I think if they t- if they tell themselves that that they're 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 really uh fooling them the fooling themselves. I am still hammering it. I firmly believe the Dallas Stars will make the playoffs. So you can be mad at me all you want. I I, I really think they're going to make it, and I think Nashville is going to follow, and I think St. Louis could also be in that grouping of teams to fall out. You're just a hater, Nolan. Um, shout out Hope Pavelski and Rope Hints. Uh, yeah, lead the league, boys. Um, with that out of the way, Nolan, we get into the uh, next portion of the aquatic joke, um, and that is the Pacific Division. Uh, as previously mentioned, the Calgary Flames are in that fraudulent first place. They played 19 games, 11-3-5, uh, good for 27 points. The Edmonton Oilers have played two games less than them. 
have two more wins than them and are one point behind. And yeah, boy, let's go. You love to see that. The Anaheim Ducks sit there in third with 23 points, three off the four off the pace. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights are there in fourth, despite the injury trouble that they've had this season. Uh, they sit at 22 points with an 11 and seven record. The Los Angeles Kings have 19 points. Sharks have 17. Canucks have 14 and the Kraken have 11. Now, Nolan, what do those three bottom teams have in common? The Sharks, Canucks, and Kraken. The uh, Sharks, Canucks, and Kraken. Uh, they're all aquatic teams. They all are aquatic teams. And they sit where they should at the bottom of the Pacific. At the, the bottom of the fucking sea. Ha 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 ha. Funny. You got him good there. As <laughs> promised, the second aquatic joke. It is a theme. Um, not surprised by the Kraken. I think we've been harping, like beating that drum all season that they were not going to be very good. Um, I actually have a bet with my brother-in-law, uh, five bucks every Oilers cracking game. So I look forward to making $15 this year. <laughs> um, Canucks, we've talked about, they've been stinky. Um, Canucks fans, like, uh, Canucks fans are going through and Leach has said this and it's really funny and I would like to do a little more research on it, but they are suffering through their own decade of darkness, like post Stanley cup. Oh, and, fuck, and like, man. they're having a hard time and like, don't get me wrong. It's fun to watch, but like it also kind of hurts a little bit because like we've been there. It's is it's really depressing. Like the the whole stuff of like Bo Horvat and that I guess like his people have been talking to management, and then there was a video of like um, uh, Francesco Aquilini going out for dinner. I think with Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes, and then people are like, "What's going on here?" and is Jim Benning safe? Is Travis like? Oh my God! Just put all these guys out of their misery and fire all of them, and then restart at the at the end of the, like. And don't get me wrong, like I think that when a, when a GM takes over that job, that it's going to be a really attractive position for somebody to take over. Um, I think the most attractive position is actually going to be the Anaheim job, uh, just with the amount of young talent they have on that team and all the cap space they're going to have. But the 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 big thing with with the Canucks is like. Why did you make that all Reckman Larson trade? And like I understand that he's been that he's been all right from from everything I can gather. Um, Connor Garland's been a, been a nice been a nice addition, but like this team defensively still does not have any sort of identity. Like they're not they're they, like they make the they make the Edmonton Oilers look like the fucking Team Canada like Olympic roster. Like it's insane. Um. Sorry, one more tire pump. Uh, Stuart Skinner, would you rather have him win the Calder or backstop Canada to a gold medal? Uh, there is an obvious answer here. Yeah, it would, it would be him backstop to a gold medal. No, it would his... not because we want him well rested for a cup run. Foolish, Nolan. Oh, no, oh, sorry. I th- no, I guess the no because I was looking at it as like as like yeah, he might win the Calder, but if he gets if we get you know destroyed in the first round, then I would ra- rather have the rather have like the Team Canada win. But no, you are correct. Yes, I will take that. Fine, take your option. Funny anyway. Um, but yeah, the Pacific shaking out other than the Ducks to kind of be what we thought. Um, Vegas, again, had a lot of injury trouble, but expecting them to rebound shortly and rebound hard. I'm never uh, counting out the Knights. They're a good hockey team. Um, that is it for the standing snapshot, Nolan, unless there is anything else you would like to add. Uh, I think that's pretty good. I know a lot of people are going to kind of be like, well, this sounds like a certain something that we're still waiting on. 
And I think we will do that. And I don't know if you know what I mean, Miles, but I'm the, thinking it might be best. time for the first for the first season for the first of the season. Uh, I think it might be a state fate. of the union, to, a, 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 a fate of the union, fate of the union. Uh, yeah, too fast, too furious, Tokyo Drift, whatever installment we're on of State of the Union, but I think one is coming up. Speaking of things that are coming up, Nolan, the return of Pickapalooza is coming up. Now, I've been doing a lot of thinking about this, and the specifics as to how it's going to run are not like I don't want to get into too much detail on the show um, because I think we'll have another episode before it officially kicks off. But the game plan or kind of what we're thinking is um, keeping Pickapalooza only on the weekend. So only Friday, Saturday and Sunday games to a maximum of five per day. Uh, And I've got a little bit of an idea of how to keep things kind of entertaining in terms of like uh, allowing and like keeping engagement so that like if you if you lose a month, you're not like totally out of the running so a couple different little rules that i want to run by you and then uh, relay on instagram since that is the the platform that we use to to run the palooza so uh nolan and i are going to work that out but yes the palooza is coming back the return of the palooza december 3rd we will be ready for you i'm very excited very excited very excited to get this going um I'm very excited to crush anybody in my direction. And by crush, I mean I'll probably end up in like sixth place. (laughs) I got higher hopes for you than that, bro. But, Nolan, what else do I have high hopes for? Another week of Oilers hockey. Bada bing, bada boom. That's a segue. Absolutely nailed. Uh, This week, we've got three games. We've got Dallas on Tuesday. We've got Arizona on Wednesday. We've got Vegas on Saturday. Uh, That back-to-back is looking mighty scrumptious. Um, I, I like having the Yotes like on a back-to-back. I believe that they're at home for both of those as well. Can you confirm? Uh, so those are two away games. Two away. Like they're wow, on, yeah, they one. are on the road. They are, they, yeah, they, they are on the road this week. Fucking good one, Miles. Um, two and one. I've got two and one too because I think they, they get after it Friday night and blow one against Vegas. Yeah, just laying absolute stinker in the team. Yeah, and they are just going to fucking reek of booze. Uh, you know what? Well deserved. Fuck it. Yeah, a- absolutely. Because if because because if they go two and one, now they're going into the they're going into the season. What? Um, I know that we just ran through the standings, but they were yeah that would be their, four. That would be their so, fifth loss. Yeah, they'd be yeah they'd be fifteen and five. Fifteen and five. I'm okay with a loss. Get after it, boys. Have fun this week. Because if they win both back to backs, like against the uh, against the Stars and the Yotes, like probably play a couple rounds of golf in the desert, get a little drunk, not that bad. Maybe a little bit of heat stroke, little egg salad, get some protein back in you, and then they're ready to go. So could be three and all too. Who knows? But we'll see. I love golfing and eating an egg salad. That's an underrated combo. Connor's gonna be mixing like tequila and freaking uh, was it? What's the what, what's the what's the fucking drink that, that is it? It's not body armor. Um, bio steel. It's gonna be like <laughs> it's gonna be like bio steel and like tequila. Uh, maybe mm. you're on something. Maybe that's a hell of a drink. I think the lemon lime bio steel and a tequila would actually be pretty good. Um, you're giving me something to try, Nolan. And bio steel, come at me. Bio steel, come out of sponsors. No free ads. So Nolan. With all of that out of the way, it has been a bit of a long episode, a lot longer than we thought it would. We've we've laughed, we've cried, we've joked, and we've 
thrive. Made fun of Seth Jones. And made fun of the Jets. This has been the second season, episode 10 of the One for One podcast. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into the show. We're looking forward to getting the pick of Palooza back up. Oilers have been playing heat. Oilers are nasty. Stuart Skinner is nasty. As always, we are stoked. Bob Stoffer's eyes are closed. Go Oilers, go. Go Oilers, go.